Oh, hey, I'm Grace, and I'm the host of this podcast, She Builds Me Up. She is my neighbor, my friend, my sister, my mentor, and my inspiration. She's the everyday woman that surrounds me all the time. We laugh together, we cry together, and we love together. I value her because of the amazing gifts she shares with me. Come and join my tribe and let's build something amazing together. This is where we uplift one another, we let our guards down, we invest fully in one another, and we become stronger by doing so. Together, we are going to get into the nitty gritty of this weird world of adult friendships. We're gonna combat our challenges and have fun while doing it. Okay, so we are here for my second episode and also my first episode where I'm actually with someone in the room with me. And her name is Liz Pickavage. Liz, go go ahead and say hi. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. And we were just talking about the difficulties of feeding a family. So Liz has it much worse than me. She has <laughs> four kids. <laughs> yes. So by definition, is doubly as hard as me because I only have two. And tell us a little bit about your kids <laughs> and husbands eating challenges i guess yeah i feel like eating challenges is a very kind and generous <laughs> term they're probably my husband's probably going to listen to this so i'll be i'll be super we polite you, and politically correct and um yes. my husband has some you know uh, what texture. particular particular, particular yes, texture yes. issues he doesn't yeah. like a lot of meat yeah that's true um, and my younger kids don't like a lot of food they're period. not food people. I realize that. Like, they don't like food. And all of her kids are very small. So My I mean. children are very small. They, <laughs> yeah, they just don't, they don't, uh. they don't enjoy food. I'm realizing. Like, my 10-year-old, actually, I think would, yeah. he would be one of those people that, like, if you just, like, gave him a pill to, like, live on. Take I away think the he'd hunger. be okay with it. My soon-to-be 14-year-old, um, she's a pretty good eater, but that's yeah. about it. Me and her. And yeah. so it's pretty difficult to come up with meals that... Yeah. You know, well, I, I yes. really, really struggle. I've been, I was just asking Grace for ideas because I really struggle to come up with meals that we will all eat. Yes, it is hard. And tonight I made a cast iron taco pizza. Which sounds delicious. And now my... Uh, and her kids will eat pizza and they will eat tacos. Yeah. My, so I'm curious to see... And my kids love Mexican. If they'll eat taco pizza. And they eat black beans, which is kind of like yeah. a weird kid thing to eat, right? Yeah, yeah, that is weird. They There's love, no black beans on this pizza, but, but you they, can add some. But they do... I don't know why I said black beans, but they love all <laughs> kinds of Mexican. They love all kinds oh of Mexican gosh. food. <laughs> well, that's good. That's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Um. So I've just been busy all day trying to figure out how the technology behind a podcast, and I'm, <laughs> I think I've got it. I might have yelled at my kids a couple of times today. Maybe and I've more been making jokes all day how I'm going on radio. I mean, and which she, does not make me cool. On radio. It does not make me. <laughs> no oh one my thinks gosh. my jokes are funny, by yes, the way. Yes, I think they're funny. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, okay, so this is Liz, and just to give a little background behind our friendship. We, I moved to Danville, Pennsylvania, what, almost four years ago now. Oh, wow. And Liz was one of the first people that, like, came up to me, and you, like, gave me your phone number and made jokes about how weird your last name is, <laughs> which is Pitt <laughs> Cabbage, not Pitt Cabbage. Yeah. And so... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we just became Which, instant friends. And by the way, my on. husband and kids don't appreciate those jokes oh, either. Okay, <laughs> yeah. don't just, joke yeah, about that. No, don't joke about that. <laughs> but um, 
No, and so we've just been we've been very close friends ever since I've moved here, basically. Yes. And we've been through yes. a lot together. And yes, so she yeah. was the first person on my mind to bring on the show, not only because we're friends, because I think she has an incredible story, which we're going to share um, as we get on to this. But um, basically, what we're talking about today is this idea of your self-worth and where does that come from? Because I feel like a lot of times in this world, people think that their self-worth is so based in things that can change, such as your weight or your clothing size or your marital status or whatever it may be. You have these things that you're basing your self-worth on, and that's not the right way to go about it. Right. And so Liz has a really cool story, um, and I, I'll let her kind of give you a little bit of a background. Um, but she had chronic... Lots of chronic health issues yes. her whole life. Yes. Um, and then when I met her, I learned about these health issues, and they kind of got worse just in the, like, three years I knew you. Right. And then it it came out that you had TMJ, which, if you want right. to explain what exactly that is, yeah. that would be great. Yeah, sure. So um, TMJ is the joint in your face. Um, Do you know what TMJ stands for? <laughs> Temporomandibular joint. Okay, because I was writing out Temporomandibular. I was like, Temporomandibular I have no joint. idea what TMJ even means. Okay. I, I think I'm saying that correctly. You probably are. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so a lot of people say, oh, I have TMJ. Everyone has TMJ. Everyone has the joint that oh, connects your okay. jaw. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's just a joint in your face that connects your jaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, joints or something yeah anyway so i have tmj it's disorder like the joint by your earlobes correct right? yes okay, yes yeah. thank you it's kind of weird because we're based you know no one can see me but i'm pointing to where it should be just imagine yourselves yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so i remember you know someone had mentioned that i might have that and i said no i don't have that because i really just thought tmj was when your jaw locks open or you couldn't you Not know, what I thought it was. Or you couldn't, cl- you know, you couldn't close mm-hmm. it or you couldn't mm-hmm. open, you know, whatever. And anyways, but as it turned out, you know, further into it, I had um, deterioration of the bone and the joint um, and it was severe arthritis and causing all these problems. And I, um, <clears throat> I went to be, I went to see an oral surgeon and the very first thing they said to me was, there's no, you really don't have any other options. You need these joints replaced with titanium. And also a jaw surgery to bring both your jaws forward. And it's kind of really your, your only option because of skeletal deformities. And I was pretty shocked oh, wow. because I thought I thought we were going to go a more um, slower pace. Like, we'll try physical therapy. We'll try mm-hmm. a night guard. You know, kind of there's a lot more um, slower things you can do for TMJ. Yeah. And also, like, more minor surgeries can be done. But yeah. So that was kind of the uh, option that was presented to me after years and years of headaches and other all these other symptoms I was experiencing that I had no idea um, that were connected to TMJ right. disorder. And what were some of those symptoms? So severe headaches, severe neck pain, back pain. Um, and I also had severe sleep apnea, which is also connected to TMJ disorder, which who knew? Yeah. As, and as the joints de- deteriorated, it pulled my jaw back further closing off my my airways so that at night i'd stop breathing mm-hmm. like i would stop breathing about 38 times an hour so i had to wow. sleep with a cpap mask at nighttime and mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. these things and i was so self-conscious about all of it yeah all of it and i also blamed myself for all of it which is a weird so yeah what did that thought process look like 
with you blaming yourself? Well, I don't really know how it started. I don't know if it's because I read somewhere about posture mm. affecting TMJ disorder, about posture, mm. you know, affecting your neck pain. or, or And I started reading all these things about diet and how food is medicine. And it, and if you eat well, then you'll be well, and yeah. which is really misguided and, and really untrue, especially yeah. for people who have chronic health issues. Right. And so I just started blaming myself and it just kind of spiraled into a really unhealthy just further exasperated right you know and I, migraines and acid reflux and all these you know chronic that just kind of made my quality of life not great so you go into the doctor's office they tell you you have tmj mm-hmm. well everyone has tmj <laughs> TMJ, <laughs> tmj disorder tmj disorder that's what i i just yes. add in that disorder because okay, okay. right we all have tmjs yeah, yeah, yeah. which is kind of so it's a kind of a weird right right yeah so you, they tell you this, and they're like, and surgery is the only option. This really right. invasive surgery is your only yes. option. Crazy surgery. What Was it at that point that you realized, like, oh, my bad posture and my eating have nothing to do? Yes, and it was such a relief. Yeah. And it was such a relief. But then also I was like, I need a second opinion because this yeah. is crazy. So I got Which a second is, opinion, yeah. and they confirmed it. And I had scans done, and then I had you know other people say to me, you have skeletal deformities that no amount of physical therapy, muscle mm-hmm. training could ever fix. And I felt I did feel a huge sense of relief mm-hmm. in that. And I also felt that surgery really was my only option mm-hmm. because there was no there was, was nothing else. And I thought this was going to be my only option to try and have a healthy life. And so at the age of 38, I had my first joint replacement in my face, which is 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 relatively new in yeah. joint replacement world i think it's getting close to like 20 years they've been doing the oh really the medicine okay okay i could be wrong on that i i have no reason so to all you. you like face <laughs> joint replacement experts listening you know there's gonna be a ton of those <laughs> you're gonna get a lot of email about it <laughs> i am i'm gonna get a lot, get a lot of, emails. of emails about this um so just a little bit of background i asked liz um to come on the show and what I did is I had her send me kind of her story like she wrote it all out in like an email and sent it to me and then I in return had questions that we're going to kind of go through as we go through the rest of this episode Um, and the thing is is I also have known you in the Mm -hmm. last four years and I saw you get this I didn't see the surgery but (laughs) I saw you go through the surgery (laughs) it's been it'll be a year in February which by the time this airs it'll be a year yeah so which is crazy yeah that is insane so it'll be about a year once this airs and just listening to this story and so when she sent me this story she talked about this idea of self self loathing Mm mm-hmm and you thought it had nothing to do with your health issues. And you kind of were like, you would compartmentalize them in your mind. Right. Of like, okay, I have sleep apnea. I have chronic sinuses, sinus and headaches and all right. that stuff. And TMJ disorder. So like, what did the self-loathing, what did that look like since it was separate right. in your mind? Right. Well, and I, I guess I should say, um, I was so ashamed to admit that I had sleep apnea and and you know TMJ because I thought it was my fault and I was so ashamed to admit I had acid reflux and mm-hmm. to what I perceived all these 
um, obese middle-aged man diseases, which is so stereotypical and so horrible Mm -hmm. and bigoted Mm -hmm. bigoted of me to think. Um, But then I really, truly hated my physical appearance. And that's what kind of what we're Mm -hmm. talking about, Um, which also I'm embarrassed to admit, but I've been very open about it this last year of how much I hated my physical appearance and my face and my weight. And I've truly hated myself and again blamed myself for that blamed mm-hmm. myself and thought I could somehow fix and change that if I just yeah. tried hard enough yeah and I think it's important to point out that one of the biggest things you didn't like about your physical appearance is your jawline mm-hmm. yeah so Liz is you know opened up to me saying like as a child even mm-hmm. you would think about oh if only my jawline was more defined yes you would research plastic yes. surgery and would, all this stuff yeah i would sometimes go into like a spiral and i would research plastic mm-hmm. surgery and just cry and cry and cry and i used to think i was lucky to even have friends to lucky people would even want to look at me because i was so hideous right. and um, when you would even sleep with your blanket i would sleep with my blanket pulled up over my face yeah. i still sometimes yeah. do i mean i still sometimes do and habit. i would and when i was in school i would i would try to sit in the back of the classroom so no one could no one could see my face and um mm-hmm. and it, it has always been this like just this horrible low self-esteem and so when the surgeons said to me we are going to fix your jawline and bring it out. I was like, oh, wow. Sold. Sold. Done. You're going to cure all my health issues. That's, mm-hmm. you know, in my mind, mm-hmm. this is going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. This is going to fix my whole life. You're going to fix my yeah. face. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, also in hindsight, I really wasn't that hideous, by the way. <laughs> like, she wasn't. wasn't. She's beautiful. Like, She's it wasn't, very really beautiful. wasn't that hideous. Like, yeah. I mean, I've had this this huge, you know, like year of coming to terms with that but like in my mind I was right in your mind yeah all in her mind Mm -hmm. so um back to the surgery so Liz goes in for surgery last Mm -hmm. February of 2019 I'm getting live updates from her husband from the OR my husband is a surgeon so he was also getting live updates (laughs) right he did not do the surgery but right um and so there were and a lot it, of complications. Yeah, yeah a lot so of complications. So you want to go into that a little bit. Like. Yeah. So, well, and I don't know if I'm like jump to the gun, but I, so I went in on a Monday morning and okay. I did not wake up until Wednesday. Yes. And so uh, the nurse came in and I, um, I woke up and she said, it's Wednesday. You've been in medical sedation for three days. Um, and, you know, that was it. And my first thought was, oh, wow, someone should really tell my husband because he's probably been wondering where I've been, <laughs> which is just like, you know, just the funniest, like, kind of and ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Because, of course, he knows where I've been. I was actually the last person yeah. to find out where I'd been. Yeah. <laughs> so why so, did you wake up two days later? So uh, um, because my airways were already so narrow, I immediately started having breathing problems. As soon as they put me under, I started having airways and I, they had to call an ENT and different departments to try and get me intubated. And it took, it took a long time and a, a lot of different people on the surgery ended up taking 11 hours, which was much longer. How long so, was it supposed to take? <clears throat> I think like eight hours eight, okay. and it took 11 hours and it was much more difficult than initially anticipated, even just like keeping me breathing. And, um, they were able to give me, I believe eight more millimeters of breathing space. So they, oh, they pulled my jaws forward so um to give me more breathing space so that you know hopefully in future surgeries that breathing you know that wouldn't be a problem the whole 
not yeah. breathing and right. um and I ended up having a lot of bone grafts in my upper jaw just the way the jaws were again going back to all those skeletal deformities they had to make mm. a lot of changes I ended up having titanium implants um but next to my nose on, right? not that I was aware of <laughs> all these things happened to me that I was not aware of yeah um I ended up being wired which I was not supposed to be and ended up having to be on a six-week liquid diet which was again not the plan they wanted me to yeah. be because I had titanium joints, they wanted me to start using them right away to so that the joints didn't, I don't know, they, they wanted me to use them immediately to start mm-hmm. working them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I couldn't. Yeah. Um, because because when your jaw, shut. right, when your jaw is broken, it's like a broken arm. It has to heal. You can't mm-hmm. use it for six weeks. The same it would be any other bone. And as right. they like horribly pointed out to me, if you came into the clinic with a broken bone, it would be six weeks. But it, instead, they broke it for me right right Right? awful awful and so that all happened and then I could not breathe on my own so they had to keep me medically sedated and um I know it's very traumatic for my husband and my mom and um it was really difficult for my family so then they woke me up on Wednesday and I was still intubated Mm. and I'd seen enough ER episodes to know that was like a horrific thing and then I had to be extubated while I was awake Mm. and um so that was kind of a whole ordeal, and I was in the ICU, and then, yeah. and then I had to come home and be on a liquid diet for six weeks, which is just all things I wasn't expecting. Right, right, on top yeah. of it being horrible. Right. So. Right. Um, yeah, so we would we all took her soup, but they had to be yeah. like yeah, I could only soup eat it like, through a syringe too, a syringe. and yes, and I remember yes. I found out imme- pretty quickly that I couldn't even drink through a straw. My muscles weren't strong enough to use mm-hmm. a straw. Everything for oh the first gosh. while had to come through a syringe. Right, right. So, so you wake up on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and then you kind of were in the hospital for yeah. how much longer? So I was in the ICU on Wednesday and Thursday, and then Thursday evening they moved me to a regular floor. Okay. And then I went home on Friday. I could have stayed longer, but yeah. I ended up having to share a room. Oh, that's right. With an older lady, <laughs> and it was, and she had turned on the news at like 3 a.m. It was just a really horrible. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, you know what? Just, I'd Let's rather be, so I'd rather sleep. be home. So I, I went like, home. You couldn't sleep. Yeah, I'd rather be home. Yeah, yeah. So I went home Friday. Okay, so in the thing that you sent me, Okay, first of all, let's go back so that just we can we can kind of contrast your thought process before and your thought process after. Yes. So you said that um, with your self loathing, mm-hmm. you were it was so bad that you avoided social events because yes. of it. Right. Why was that? And what were the things you were telling yourself to convince yourself not to go? Yeah, so I didn't want anyone to see me. I didn't want anyone to see my jaw and to see how ugly it was. And mm-hmm. looking back, I can, t- I can see how disordered that thinking mm-hmm. was and how unhealthy that was. But mm-hmm. I really, or I really thought I was too overweight or too heavy mm-hmm. and didn't have the right clothes. And that I, I, so that for, because of that, I didn't deserve to be in public mm-hmm. or because mm-hmm. of whatever diet I was on I was going to go to this party and then just like overeat and I didn't you were worried about and that. I didn't want to do that yeah. and so it would just be easier for me to just stay home and hide with the blanket pulled over my chin and never and never leave my house again right and um, so the week before my surgery my husband and I got to go to Disney World right. kind of like a last Hurrah, he had a conference down there, and um, I think I texted, or I emailed you this in my story yeah, that um, at Disney World, they send you, um, they take your picture all day long, and it pops up in your Disney app, 
and yeah. I just kept it was devastating to see these pictures of me I was just like oh this is what I look like I can't believe this is what I look like I hate myself I hate my life so I'm in Epcot with my husband it was Valentine's Day he had bought oh, us yeah. the cheesiest most awesome matching Mickey Mouse shirts and like super cute. it was super adorable and I and meanwhile inside I am just hating yourself hating myself yeah. So then, I don't know if you want to fast forward to then after. Yeah, so then you're, the part, I want to get to the part where you're in the hospital bed. Yeah. And you kind of have this epiphany. Okay, so that? then so then this epiphany. So I wake up, and first I find out it's Wednesday, which is right. a little, and I, I can't even, like, process that. So Jim Jim is trying to explain to me all these things, and I'm, I can't, I'm just like, what, what is even happening? What are you talking about? And the funny thing is, we had an appointment to get my car detailed that morning. I'm like, did you get the car detailed? You know, I'm just kind of like, you know, I like, it's just kind of like normal life. Like, right? Yeah. Everything's normal. Everything's fine. This is fine. I didn't almost, I didn't almost yeah. just die. It's fine. Like, yeah. I need yeah. to know if the car got detailed, and did the kids get to their activities, and yeah. blah, blah 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 um so he's trying to kind of like update me and I'm just starting to and then the pain the physical pain is starting to set in which is the most excruciating pain I've ever been in and I start having these thoughts uh pour into me of um how amazing our bodies are and how incredible they are and just not like four days prior I was in Orlando Florida with beautiful weather running in Epcot if you know my husband he is just lots of energy likes to go 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 we were running from place to place and trying every food we could try Mm -hmm. and I was eating as much as I could and drinking and all these things and here I was I couldn't even like use the bathroom on my own at all I couldn't even sit up I couldn't walk I couldn't eat and I couldn't drink Mm -hmm. I couldn't smile and I couldn't talk and I had wasted my entire adult life hating that body that had four days earlier ran with joy hmm. slash also hating myself <laughs> from Epcot, you know, world to world to world. Right. And it just was a shock. And, and I remember having these specific thoughts of um, how beauty just doesn't matter. That doesn't matter what we look like. That's not what gives us our value hmm. at all because here I was in the hospital bed I, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, had not been conscious or alive for three days, but I was still there and I was still a person. And even though I couldn't eat or drink, I still had all this value Mm -hmm. and I had, and it just, just really just shocked, like an epiphany, like you said, just like cracked me open that I had wasted all this time thinking something was wrong with my body, Mm. um, my physical appearance, when nothing was. It had been perfectly fine, and it had been able to eat a sandwich. I was really focused on sandwiches. (laughs) I had really wanted a sandwich in the hospital, and I really wanted a tall glass of water. And I couldn't drink a tall glass of water for so long because I could only have syringes of water for weeks and weeks and weeks, and that Mm. was torture. And I still love to have a sandwich. And my uh, my upper jaw is still numb, and I, I feel like I still have a little bit of a lisp from the surgery I don't know if people I say they don't notice sometimes yeah, I don't notice it. but I it's still like I still yeah. really am grateful for that sandwich and the and the water but I'm getting ahead I'm getting ahead yes. so I had all these thoughts pouring into my head about that yeah yeah and so then you go home yes but like it, so you did have the epiphany Mm-hmm. But then you got home and your face looked very different mm-hmm. because your face was very swollen. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I remember you texting me being like, 
James, that's he was two at the time, mm-hmm. is afraid to look at me. Yeah. So, like, how did that... I'd forgotten about that. How did that kind of, like... I don't know what the word to use is. Like, how did that go along with your epiphany, I guess? Um, I had completely forgotten that he was afraid. Um, it was, yeah. <laughs> Bringing up a sore subject. <laughs> no, not at all. No, not at all. I just had forgotten. I'd, it was That was a very difficult time for my kids. Like, it was yes. so difficult. Yes. And nothing went the way. And my oldest, it was really hard for her because I was gone at Disney World without my children. So they were already mad about that. Yeah, <laughs> and well. then I was at the hospital twice as long as it was supposed to be. And then I came home and I couldn't talk at all. And I had to write. Yeah, and you laid in bed the whole time. Right? Yeah, and I'm Not a very, time. I did. most. I yeah, pretty much yeah. did. I'm a very chatty, talkative person. And all of a sudden I couldn't talk at all. And I had to patiently write out my words on a spiral notebook. And at the time, half my children couldn't read. And my, my I, yeah. um, at the time, Lucy was five. And she'd come and she'd ask me questions. And I would be like trying to draw pictures and point. And she like, wouldn't understand. And it was you know it was so frustrating but um yeah but it was really it was her my face looked really swollen and different and um but I was having this incredible experience so I don't think it really did affect me James being afraid to look at me um because it was this amazing experience Mm -hmm. um and I truly believe that God was just pouring this into my heart yeah that and I was afraid I was going to lose it honestly I was afraid it was going to go away and I was going to go back to the self-loathing yeah I'm going to read a quote from the outline that Liz sent me. Um, She says, I went into this surgery expecting specific physical results. I wanted a defined jawline, significant weight loss, and all my health problems cured. I didn't get any of that. Instead, God chose to give me what I needed and what I could have, and what I never could have imagined possible or even knew I needed. He healed me emotionally. He was with me in the hospital during the most difficult physical pain I've ever endured. He poured into my mind truth and love about me that I never knew. He changed my heart and changed my mind. Um, So the question is, what kind of truth did he pour into your life that caused your heart to change? So the truth I really felt poured into me was that the way I physically look just doesn't matter at all, which I never knew before and never believed that my weight doesn't matter at all and that I could lay in that hospital bed the rest of my life and still have the same value to God and still have the same value to my children and the people that truly love me right and that I could still even make a difference like you you know talking about how do we empower women around us but that that truth came into me and that all of a sudden I was just like I don't have to look a certain way to have value Mm -hmm. and um I realized I'd been you know I, I believe in all these moral values of God and, you know, and mm-hmm. service and charity and love. Yeah. And yet I had truly been seeking um, through, you know, diet and weight loss and clothes mm-hmm. and trying mm-hmm. to fit in with the world my yeah. whole life. And I think right. many women do. Yeah. And many women struggle. I mean, this is not not a I'm not alone in this or right. unique in this. Right. This is a very common, common issue among women. But I really thought I was alone. And um, so after my hospital, I started, um, a few people reached out to me. And I don't know if you were one of them who pointed me to Beauty Redefined. I don't know if I did, but I had heard of it before. Yeah, I had never heard of it before. And a couple people pointed me out to them. And I I realized that some of the stuff they were saying was exactly the thoughts I was having. Like the whole um, loving yourself and not needing your body not mattering. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And um, and that was kind of like what got me started on this year, almost year long process right. of trying to change my my Your thoughts thinking. about my body, which is a right. big job. It's a huge job. So I feel like this is the time that we need to talk about um, your eating disorder. Yeah. So you're in the hospital, and part of this epiphany that you had is that you realized that you had an eating disorder. Right. And so knowing you, I would have never said, oh, Liz has an eating disorder. Because, like, in my mind, an eating disorder is, like, you have bulimia or you have anorexia. Right. And you had neither of those things. Right. So and and that's, wanna, yeah. that's what I always thought as well. Mm-hmm. And, and as I started searching this after um my when I was in the hospital and also the days after I found all these like accounts and books and things about disordered eating and so I'm I'm hesitant to say a specific eating disorder because you know like Mm -hmm. you I always thought it was only is either bulimia or anorexia but there's Mm -hmm. all these new there's these um you know, new research, and there's a specific thing called orthorexia, mm-hmm. which is where you become really obsessed with health rules, clean eating, and following mm-hmm. all the rules. So it kind of gives you anxiety and makes you a little bit insane over mm-hmm. following those rules. And okay. that was me to a T. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I know, still know all the health rules, still yeah. know all the calories, still know all the Weight Watchers points, still yeah. know. To the point where I am so ashamed to admit this, I had never made a Christmas breakfast for my family because of the calories and because Mm -hmm. of the... And so this Christmas was the very first year that I was like, okay. And and Jim had made Christmas breakfast for my kids. So like, but (laughs) I had never... They still... Yeah, my husband's an Uh, excellent cook, but I had never done it. And I... Because in my mind, food was not meant to be enjoyed. Food was this like horrible thing that was ruining my life. And so I... I hesitate because people have, you know, people do have eating disorders. So I kind of often will say disordered eating. Yeah. But I definitely identify with the orthorexia or with the binge eating where you, um, but I've read different things where like, it's not necessarily binge eating. You're just really, really hungry because you, you know, you restrict, 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 and then you just eat and eat and eat. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, that's, I really realize that how disordered right. my eating right. and my thinking about myself had been. I feel like I'm making myself sound a little bit insane. So I was a functioning adult in society this, before, she, before this surgery. At the same time, though, like, I, I don't think you're coming off as crazy okay, at good, all. Good. Like, I think even good. we all have this to an extent. Like, right. I don't think I had the severe anxiety you had behind, you know, right. disordered eating. But we all... Not all of us, but I know I we've talked a lot about yeah. this. How I've struggled with you know binge eating here and there, yeah. and before your surgery, I feel like we were texting all the time about oh, yeah. like I just can't I can't keep it under twelve hundred calories yeah. and like well and I know, went into and, this surgery being so excited right because I was like yeah. oh I'm gonna have jaw surgery everyone loses weight on jaw surgery yeah. this is gonna be amazing I yeah. can't wait yeah. and my my jawline's finally gonna be awesome and I'm gonna lose weight and I would never wish a jaw surgery upon yeah. anyone yeah. and then I just realized like weight loss is not worth yeah. any of that when well, you just gained not. weight did I you did not? yeah I did gain weight like that seems a little bit yeah. unfair but the the place that I'm at now it doesn't like that it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter yeah at all but I did because I laid in bed for closer to eight weeks you know just in horrific pain and not being able to do much and just drinking really high calorie kind of like you know slim fast but I have to drink like eight a day to right right yeah to stay full 
So you okay? So you mentioned Beauty Redefined. Mm-hmm. That is an Instagram account. Yes. I first learned about Beauty Redefined before Instagram was even a thing. Right. Because they um, came to my college that mm-hmm. I went to and did this whole presentation and it like changed my life. So like when yeah. you were like, oh, Beauty Redefined, I'm like, oh, I forgot about them. So it like reminded me of them. So if you want to go a little bit more in depth about what is, how did they change your life and what are they exactly? Yeah. And are there any specific posts that were especially like poignant to you? Right. So after my surgery, I had, I had a lot of time in my bed (laughs) to read. And so I started, I went back to like the beginning of their Instagram posts because I had never heard of them. And I started, I read every single post that they had posted and it was kind of mind-blowing they had these mantras Mm -hmm. and I have um I actually have a list of affirmations that I try to read every day Mm -hmm. and a lot of them come from their page and it's like um um, my body is an instrument not an ornament you know be more see more kind of things like just things like that about how your body is not meant to be looked at yeah yeah and um and it just was kind of that I just started there and kind of worked my way through their entire page and was just I never knew that there were women out there who weren't dieting I thought that was the way of the world I was like well you're a woman and you diet and that's how it is and you have to and then every spring you diet for your bathing suit and Mm -hmm. you know and you can't go in a yeah you can't go in a pool unless you've lost your obligatory weight and then you know yeah I just thought that was how it was and yeah I never knew there was another way yeah, and that's mine. It's must have been mind blowing for you. It was mine. Yes, and it I was. think and hopefully people who listen to this will also feel feel that as well. I hope, and I share these exceptionally like personal and vulnerable things for mm-hmm. that very reason. Right. And I, right. and I was writing on my own kind of um, recovery Instagram page, and I had people from like elementary school reaching out to me and high school reaching out to me, kind of saying, "Yeah, I have similar experiences." and and as I went through the Beauty Redefined um, page and, and just found all these different posts talking about it, um, I found other accounts about disordered eating and, and the diet culture. And I really, really did. It continued yeah. Um, yeah. to help that epiphany I had. Because after a few months, that epiphany feeling did kind of fade. And I was tempted yeah. to fall back into that self-loathing. Right. So that's when the work began. Right. Where I had to do, and you, I think you asked me, what does that look like? Yeah, let's, okay, so, okay, so here's another quote from Liz. It says, I continue to work on my, on loving myself and not caring about my physical body as much, focusing on what I value, on what value I bring to the people around me. This will probably take work for the rest of my life as I continue to remember the truth I learned in the days after my surgery and let it sink in as to what really matters. So what does working on yourself look like? So... On a perfect day, I try and get up before my kids, or if I can't do that, and I try to do it like at lunchtime or you know quiet mm-hmm. time, or whatever when they're um, when my youngest is is asleep or having quiet time. I try to um, read some scriptures, and then I have a list of affirmations that I have had kind of going for a few years that I've added and changed to. I have some um, positive affirmations about God's love for me, and then I have positive affirmations specifically towards my body Mm. and how the physical appearance just doesn't matter. And I read those every day and really try to remind myself. And if I'm having a bod, a bod, a bad body image day, then I don't look in mirrors so much. Maybe that sounds weird, but I have different things that I, I make sure my clothes are comfortable for me. Yeah. I make sure nothing's too tight. I kind of like have these things I do to make sure that I feel comfortable in my body. And then I have, I have a few friends I can specifically reach out to who are going through a similar journey that I am. Mm -hmm. And I have a, 
a few specific accounts I follow on Instagram that are really mm-hmm. um, anti-diet culture and support of women, yeah. you know. Yeah. And yeah. I will go and read that. And I try and do that, like, pretty regularly so I can mm-hmm. keep my mind in a good place. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, this brings me back to a question that I meant to ask you earlier, but I think it actually fits in better now. Um, so you spent, what, how, how old are you, 38 when you got your thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You spent 38 years hating your jawline, hating yep. your body. Mm-hmm being mad that you were overweight um and then okay so you say you wasted all these years hating your body that was perfectly functional yeah um like you said you were in disney world walking around running around eating what you want um but at the same time you did have these major health problems so like how do you reconcile that you had this quote perfectly functional body that wasn't actually perfectly functional and like would you get their surgery again knowing what you know now or like Right. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. No, that's a really good question, and it's it's so complex, and I'm really struggling with that Yeah. actually all the time because I, I really struggle, and I kind of beat myself up, and I think, you know, I'm not struggling with cancer or with, you know, debilitating right. illnesses, but at the same time, I remember talking with my surgeon before. I was like, I don't have a great quality of life for the privileged white American middle class woman that I am. You know, I would like, yeah. I would qualify that. But at the same time, like, it is difficult to live with migraines all the time and, yeah. and sleep apnea and acid reflux and chronic sinus infections. And those are, those are difficult. And so yeah. I am, I'm coming to grips with the term that I, with the, sorry, with the facts that I do have a lot of chronic health issues and yeah. that I'm coming to terms with that that's okay and that some days I can't do a lot. Some yeah. days I'm slower. Some days I just can't. Yeah get done maybe what needs to get done yeah and i'm trying to be okay with that i'm trying to not mm-hmm. blame myself for that and that yeah. goes a lot of hand in hand with that self-loathing in terms of the surgery i really think that i i, I can't say that i i wish i didn't do it because it has changed my mind right. my emotional right and um you know and the doctors say that it really has like i had deteriorating joints yeah. and bones in my face right and it was also really dangerous for my airways. Mm-hmm. So like if I were to have been in an accident, you know, and they had to have emergency surgery, I may not have survived that because of my airways. Right. You know, in the future. But and then I I just think like, oh my gosh, heaven forbid I had gone and got plastic surgery, I may not have survived that. Oh yeah. I you know, trying not to go down that yeah. that road too yeah. much. So um, well, and you don't sleep with a CPAP anymore, I right? don't sleep with a CPAP. Yeah. I had my sleep study. So bef- prior to my surgery, I would start breathing 38 times an hour, and now it's down to 10. Oh, um, someone told me, you know, because I'm not a full year, that this surgery takes a full year. I could be even lower. Okay. Because, the, you know, and also I had a lot of um, damage from being intubated for three days. So yeah. there could even still be swelling, which is kind of wild to think about that a year later. A there year, could still yeah. be swelling in my, you know. But um, so... I think I would still need to do the surgery again. Now, what I do it with, I still have like four young kids at home. I don't know, but this is the way it happened. And and maybe it needed to happen this way so I can help my children. Be more body positive. Be more body positive. And I can be a health, emotionally healthier adult for them and for myself. And so, yeah. yeah. Okay. The last question I have, and that's just because of like the type of podcast I hear I have going on right now, is the reason I wanted to have Liz on the podcast is because I think when it comes to navigating adult friendships, especially women friendships, 
self-worth is key right Mm -hmm. because like you were not going to social events and you were not hanging out with friends because you hated your face so much right and so i think it's a really good starting point when you're talking about like combating loneliness and you're talking about you know making friends and keeping friends and working through friend stuff that like your self-worth is number one Mm -hmm. priority yeah which is why i wanted to start with this episode um and then I also just wanted to ask you, like, what role um, did other women and friends play during the last year of your life, I guess? Yeah. Well, and first, it's such an honor to be oh, on your podcast and be your you. first, yes. <laughs> to be your first guest. It's such a, it's such a privilege to be here. And um, I feel like female friendships have, is what got me through this year, you know, and like friendship mm. with you and just being able to to reach out to friends this year and to be open and honest about these incredibly difficult and possibly private and shameful things that I could have kept inside. Yeah. And I didn't. And I had women like you and other women in my life that I could kind of, you know, be honest with and talk with and I get feedback from and, um, and really help me get through it and, Mm -hmm. and have this open dialogue and, um, of keeping those friendships up, but also of just changing our society and changing the way women are valued. Yes, yes. And because it needs to change. It does. It does. And I think you're doing your small part. <laughs> Thank you. And changing that just with your little Instagram account and yeah. doing this and all of that. Um, anyway, I would just like to thank you for being here. Um, Liz has gotten me through a lot of hard stuff when I moved here I went through a miscarriage and all this and Liz was one of those people that was just there even when I didn't want anyone there she was there (laughs) but like for some reason you just have this gift that I didn't care like I told like everyone else like don't talk to me but you're like well I'm gonna talk to you anyway and I was like okay (laughs) (laughs) so it's just funny that like you have this gift of like being there when people don't want someone there but then like it's okay because it's you. Does that well, make sense at all? That like, is. That's very kind of you. I hope it. I hope it's it a gift. True. I hope oh, it. And it I hope it's okay because I, I really worry that sometimes it's not because I'm I'm there and no. maybe it's like it's time it's time to not be there anymore. <laughs> well, I was I was grateful for it because I know like sometimes you say you don't want anyone around but you don't really mean it. Right. So and mm-hmm. I think it's it's important to like know when people don't mean it right i think you're good at that so well thank you very much Um, it's very kind anyway i'm i'm very excited to hopefully um get feedback from people about this podcast um if you want to follow along for um future episodes or past episodes or whatever we i have an instagram account it's at she builds me up i'm going to be posting pictures just of the people i um interview and you can see how silly Liz is for thinking she's not beautiful because she definitely (laughs) is (laughs) um anyway so and you're always welcome to direct message me on Instagram or reach out to me um anyway I guess that's it for today talk to you next time thanks Grace if you are liking what you hear on this podcast or other episodes I would just love for you guys to leave a review on iTunes and possibly share this episode with your friends and family Um, If this message meant something to you, I think it's important that we share it because I know it's um, something that will apply to a lot of people. And I I just strongly believe in knowing your self-worth. And I'm so glad that Liz could tell her story and share her journey and learning that as well. I think it's an amazing message and that so many women need to hear. Thank you all for all the support and I'll see you next time.